Hello and welcome to the Wildlife Rescue Podcast. This week is part two of the Bevtross Hogsprickle podcast. Uh, the feedback I've been getting on this has been really, really strong and I'm not at all surprised. Everyone loves the sound of Bev's voice and the stories that she has to tell and, you know, it's very obvious that she's passionate about wildlife. So, yeah, I've been getting great feedback on this and I'm delighted to bring part two to you. I had loads of technical problems with this uh, part of this interview, so thank you very much for your patience in that regard. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending, um, the sound for my voice didn't record for this part of this interview. So you'll just hear me kind of in the background of Bev's microphone, but it really doesn't make that much of a difference. Bev does the talking, Bev is who we're here to listen to, so I don't think it it really matters all that much. But I do want to apologise just for not having good sound quality, because I've been trying to do at least a somewhat passable job on that. The other bit of housekeeping that I wanted to do is to get to was my mom actually went through all my podcasts and listened to them um, in order to give me feedback on them, which I really appreciate. And she mentioned that in the interview with Dan, we talk about a koi poo, Rodney the Rat, and she didn't know what a koi poo was. So a, a koi poo essentially is a type of South American rodent. It's like a giant kind of guinea pig, I suppose is kind of a way to think about it. And I do mean giant, it's pretty big. Um, Bigger than some dogs. So, you know, it's small, but it's bigger than some dogs. Uh, It's a pretty big creature, and it has a big naked rat's tail. So it can be a bit freaky when you see them. But really adorable, really cute, really lovely creature. Um, just, Just like rats, to be honest. Rats are cool. So just wanted to go back and address that. And yeah, so this is... Bev Truss, part two, talking about her work with the hog sprinkle. Quite a few spoken there a good bit about the challenges that you know all wildlife face, and you see it particularly with hedgehogs. But what can people do to help hedgehogs in their normal life, in their daily life? Um, I think what people can do is basically think about the garden think about your your own environment. Think about the front garden and the back garden. It, even if you have a tiny wee, a tiny uh, garden, you can still help wildlife. Leave it wild, just let it go. If you've got a huge garden, it's going to be really easy for you to have a human area that you want, whatever way you want it. But you, it's really easy to have a garden, a corner of the garden where you've just ignored it, and you've let. I mean, we only cut the grass here three times a year because we have red clover, um, we have the dandelions coming up. I mean, weeds are only wildflowers in their own place, you know? But we need our native flora and fauna to flourish. Gardens are really, really important. It's like what I've been telling people for many, many years. Conservation starts in your own backyard. Have a look at your garden and see how you can help wildlife. Is there a corner of the garden where you can sort of just have a compost heap? Having a compost heap is brilliant. The hedgehogs will go into the compost heap. They eat the, the, the insects that are in there. And then you'll probably get them hibernating in the middle of it. 
because hibernation's coming up, the colder weather's starting to come up. Hedgehogs need to be putting on that fat. They've actually got two types of fat. They've got brown fat and they've got white fat. The white fat is moved towards their heart and their intestines to keep all of that nice and warm through hibernation. And then when they wake up after hibernation, that's when the brown fat kicks in. It's like a wee, it's like a wee battery, if you like. So this gives them an extra energy boost to get everything going. It takes a hedgehog four hours to wake up wow. from hibernation. Um, so this brown fat that's over the back of the neck and the back of the shoulders sort of kicks in, and that's their boost um, to get them moving and going again. But if they come out of hibernation and somebody's cleaned the garden up, and move the log pile and where are they going to go? That's their restaurant. If you get rid of the hedgehog restaurants, they're, they're going to starve. Yeah. Um, so keeping a wild area in the garden. And even if you're cutting the grass, leave a metre margin round the garden. You know, just a metre and leave it like a wee, a wee um, hedgehog highway, if you like. Um, but the other animals will go through it as well. And in orphan season, we talk about orphan season, when the fledglings are fledging and they're learning how to fly, they, they come out the nest, they live in the, the hedges and the trees, and then they jump into the long grass because they can't fly right. They're, they're still using their wings, they're still getting their pectoral muscles nice and uh, uh, strong so that they can fly. But if you've got flat green desert, the cats are going to spot them. So the cats are predating an awful lot of our garden birds. Um, other animals are seeing them. They're out, they're out in the open. They're going to get predated. Something's going to eat them. But if you've got nice long grass and if you've got a wild patch, these wee fledglings can go and hide in that long grass. Nothing sees them, so they've got a much better chance. But it also offers them shelter. If it's really, really hot and sunny, they can go into the long grass and cool down. That's also the hedgehogs and the hoglets. Hedgehogs don't like to be too hot because um, they're nocturnal. Well, they're actually diurnal, so you'd see them sort of early in the morning and you'll see them uh, at dusk as well. But they're basically nocturnal, so they're, they, they like the cooler temperatures. If it gets too hot, a hedgehog needs to go and cool down somewhere. They'll hide in the long grass, they'll make their, their nests in the long grass, they'll go under the shed, they'll go under your oil tanker, um, they like nice cool areas. But if you take away all the long grass, you're taking away all that shelter. You're also taking away the wild flowers and, and the plants that the, the pollinators and the insects, as we've already said, would feed on. So they can do that. This time of the year, it's coming up to the colder weather. So Hedgehogs need to pack on that fat. They need a good fat store to get through hibernation. These guys are going to go to sleep for four or five months. I wish I was a hedgehog. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so they need that fat storage. Their, their body temperature is going to go way down. The middle of a, a hedgehog nest is kept at five degrees. No matter what's going on outside, um, so they can sort of thermoregulate when they're in there just to keep themselves at that temperature. But their breathing is going to go right down from, I think it's about 190, uh, sorry, that's heartbeat. The heartbeat is 190, and that can go right down to about 13 beats a minute. Their breathing will go right the way down to maybe two or three breaths a minute. But what they also do is they have this stop-start thing. So 
the hedgehog will stop breathing. And it has been reported, I think it was Hugh Warwick that reported one of his hedgehogs that he was doing uh, research with had stopped breathing for 30 minutes. And then they have a few quick rapid breaths in succession and then they'll go back to a couple of breaths a minute and it's all to do with carbon dioxide and sort of regulating blood gas and stuff. They're, they're amazing creatures. So they need an environment that's going to sustain not only the food that they need but also the hibernation that they need. Mm-hmm. There's good, um, I think there's good kind of tutorials on the internet where people can search and like how to set up a little space, like a little hut for the yeah. hibernate in. Um, and I think one of the things that's great to say with all these gardens is the garden becomes this great educational resource if you let nature thrive in. Absolutely. Kids can go yeah. in and if you have a neighborhood of children all interested in the wildlife that's at the garden, mm-hmm. and I very briefly kind of touched into that with a visit to a school, but you visited schools much more. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. When I was a ranger, I used to take school walks and guided tours around where we were. Um, and then going into the practice in Scotland, um, like I say, 35 years ago, um, my practice was fantastic. They used to give me a day a week that I could go out and just do school talks and things. Um, I do it here. I've been to quite a few schools here and the kids are so engaging. I absolutely love it. Their little brains are like sponges, you know, and they don't want to know about maths or English or, ah, forget that for a joke. But the minute I go in and I've got videos of the hedgehogs and I've got videos of the little pine martens that I've hand reared or, you know, I think when you get into that kind of thing, kids just love nature. They love nature. Um, I had one little girl, oh, bless her. She was in a school quite close to here and I'd gone out and I'd done the talk and um, I just happened to say that we had a whole load of hedgehogs coming over uh, for um, overwintering and and I'd kind of made the joke that I needed to pay the electricity bill or something. I, don't, I can't remember what I was saying. Anyway, the, the teacher who I know quite well, she phoned me the following day and she said that this little girl's mum had dropped her off at school but I had come in to see her and she said, why do we need to give you 200 euro? Mm-hmm. And the headmistress said, what do you mean 200 euro? And she said, she came home from school yesterday and said, mum, we have to give the hogsprickle 200 euro because they need the electricity to keep the hedgehogs warm. <laughs> it was fantastic. But the kids are just so engaging and the questions they ask. And I love, love talking to them. I love talking to tidy towns. Um, the Tidy Towns and Innes have asked me back twice. Um, they're just so engaging and fantastic. And as adults, I think we kind of dismiss kids a wee bit. You know, they're just there and they go out to play and they do their GAA and they do their camogie and they do whatever else they're going to be doing. But I think a lot of kids, especially children, that I kind of recognise me in them. Do you know, it takes you down a path where nature is so good for your mental health. Um, in Scotland, doctors are actually prescribing nature walks and stuff for mental health. Um, and I think we need those green spaces. And I think that green space starts in your own garden. 
it's okay, you can leave and go to a park and go, this is gorgeous, look at these gorgeous trees and look at these gorgeous bushes, look at these gorgeous flowers. Why can't you have a mini park in your own house, in your own garden? Um, but the kids are just, oh, I love talking to them, I love talking to them. You get some questions that you kind of think, uh-oh. Um, but once once they get engaged and you start talking and I, oh, it's amazing. And the kids go home and they know how to make a, a, a hedgehog nest. They know how to give a space to a hedgehog to go to sleep in. I mean, yeah, you can buy, I think they call them hoglios. Um, and they're really expensive, they're about 60, 60 euro to buy this hedgehog house, you know. And you put it in your garden and you think, well, that's aesthetically pleasing for a human being. And the hedgehog takes one look at it and says, I'm not living in that, and goes under the shed, you know. Um, the kids all know that I've spoken to um, how to make a feeding station. So you can Google feeding station. Dead easy to make. It's a plastic box upside down with a hole cut in the front so as the hedgehog goes in and you put the food in it. You put that in the wild area of the garden, feed them, same time, same place, every night. I said to one lady um, in Port Leash, I think she is, I said, build it and they'll come. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't know if I've got hedgehogs in the garden. Said, Get yourself a trail cam. See what's going on at night time when you're sleeping. And she discovered there was a hedgehog in the garden, so she made the feeding station. Um, she she started with a log pile and, the, you know, leaving the... the part of the area really wild and she stopped using slug pellets because slug pellets are an absolute oh my god and she said I've got so many hedgehogs so I was saying to her how many have you got and she said well I don't know but I've seen two and I said go out with a pot of nail varnish a funky colour don't use red because red looks like a wound but if you go out with a funky colour and paint just put a blob of nail varnish on each one of your hedgehogs so the first one's got a blob on his bum, the other one's got a blob on his head, and then you can start sort of doing different mixes and things. She found out she had six hedgehogs. Wow. <laughs> and she said, I'm running out of nail varnish, yeah. <laughs> and I'm running out of places to put them. Um, she said, but I've got six hedgehogs, because they all look the same. They all look the same yeah, to me as well, you know. So um, she was absolutely delighted. So. Then she went out and she said, I've got so many slugs and snails and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, Guinness traps, you know, if you've got a beer trap for the slugs and the snails, that's perfect. At least they'll die happy. Um, (laughs) And then you can get rid of them in the compost heap or wherever. Um, Slugs and snails will infect hedgehogs with longworms, so we're trying not to, you know, they shouldn't be fed slugs and snails. Um, but she had said that she'd gone out and she'd got the organic slug pellets and I thought they still don't, it doesn't sound right to me so I did a wee bit of research and the slug pellets have got ferric phosphate in them and that they don't kill the hedgehogs and the birds because it's secondary poison and the hedgehogs will eat the poisoned slugs and the birds eat the poisoned slugs and then they get secondary poisoning but the ferric phosphate breaks down in the rain and gets washed into the soil and it's having a detrimental effect on the beetles and the invertebrates that are living in the soil. So even the organic slug pellets have got problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was like once once you commit to allowing an area be wild like that, it 
get it tidies itself up very quickly. Like yeah. this, you can explore it, get down on your hands and knees, and get under the hedge and see what's there and everything. But it's they're they're nice natural environments. Yeah, and, and it'd be good for people to kind of flip their idea about what a garden needs to look like, like the big long lawn and things like that. It's insane yeah we, we still like it's a green desert yeah when there's when there's so much there to be enjoyed potentially for by humans but then also by animals that we share the world with mm-hmm. um okay i think we'll wrap up people can send me gifts my birthday this year was great because i got a few boxes of cat food okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah but people can gift um so if somebody just feels that they want to they can PayPal. Um, the Hogsprickle uh, email address is thehogsprickle at gmail.com. Great. I'll put that in the description. Yeah. Um, any of the, you know, you can send through the Amazon. We've got an Amazon, Amazon wish list that people uh-huh. can buy gifts in. Can I send you the search Hogsprickle? Yeah, okay. yeah, and they'll get that. Um, a couple of people have bought um, the hedgehog, uh, the cat food um, and some other stuff from uh, the likes of Pet Stop, mm. and you know you just sort of. Do you have a vet that you, you, that you Oh, absolutely. So yeah. Do you want to report that uh, they can donate, like they could pay your bill potentially in there, and they would do that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. That. Um, so my vet um, in Ennis is O'Connor's Veterinary Surgery, and um, they are really they're fantastic. Being a registered veterinary nurse myself. I know that I can go in there and Neve is quite open to me helping out in the clinic so I can do bits and pieces. But I, I know that vets, a lot of them don't treat wildlife, mm-hmm. um, which is a real pity. Um, a lot of them that do treat wildlife um, will charge. A lot of them don't charge. So it's entirely up to the vet that you're working with. But because my veterinary clinic see a lot of my wildlife, mm-hmm. um, I totally understand that they've got overheads, they've got wages to pay, yeah. yeah. They've got the drugs that I'm using, they've got to buy all that. Um, so if people want to donate towards my veterinary bill, they can just get in touch with O'Connor's in O'Connor. Ennis, yeah. yeah. Um, and pay some of that bill. Yeah, yeah, it's on the Quinn Road. And I kind of think that that's a really good way of doing it because I'm not having to deal with any of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I just take the casualty that needs help, mm-hmm. immediate help, straight to the vet, and then I don't need to worry about trying to pay the vet's bill. Yeah. Um, and you I'm not. Up pretty quick. Oh god, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, that's another way of helping out. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Maria, for doing that. That was really great. Great to have a good, long conversation with you. You're really, welcome. Really good. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And people can get in touch with me any time at all, uh-huh. any time. So phone me, I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook very much because mm-hmm. I'm too busy to be on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not great at technology either. Um, well, people can, can call you or get yeah. in touch with Instagram. Yeah. Any kind of advice or questions about Absolutely. or hedgehogs particularly, you're, you're Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Or they can get in touch with me through the Kildare Animal Foundation as well because I work really closely with the wildlife unit there yeah. and they're, the volunteers in and around have been fantastic. I'd just like to say thanks so much to Dan as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I've known Dan for many years and he's just one of the best. And any time... Yeah, oh, God, yeah. yeah. Um, 
and I'm always asking him questions and you know he's always open to discussion and yeah, and I think wildlife rehab in Ireland is just is definitely going from strength to strength. But what I would like to say is to the members of the public who want to help a wildlife casualty or a bird that they've found, please get in touch with a wildlife rehabber. Get in touch with the Kildare Animal Foundation Wildlife Unit. Get in touch with the Hogsbrickle. Get in touch with um, Hedgehog Rescue Dublin. If it's not a hedgehog, it doesn't matter. We're all pretty experienced in most species and we would know the specific people to contact for that species. Like Susan at Bat Rehabilitation Ireland. I mean, there's a long-eared bat there sitting on my table that needs to go to her today. Mm-hmm. Um, so just pick up a phone. Don't spend time in social media looking for help. There's an animal suffering. Yeah. Don't have it in the house. Don't let the kids poke it and prod it. Don't have it sitting in your knee while you're watching the t- TV. Wild animals are not domestic animals. Mm-hmm. And some, with some species even being picked up by a human being, the stress is enough to kill them. So I'm just, I'm pleading with everybody out there, if you're not trained in wildlife rehab, if you're not trained to do this kind of work, don't try. Yeah. At the beginning, don't try. Get in touch with us. And then we can help you. We can help to train you. We can help show you the courses. Do you know, I just don't want anybody bringing in a wild animal and trying to help with all the goodness that's in your heart, but not understanding this very specific nutrition and environmental needs of this species, whatever you're dealing with. Um, Like even toileting animals, you might not even think of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of things that... Even if you're really committed and your heart is solidly in the right place, the first thing you do, that's the, the earliest and first thing you do, get in touch with an expert, get in yep. touch with somebody. And then they might say, that animal doesn't need help. That might say, leave it there. They might use so many things. Mm-hmm. might tell you it's species you don't recognize. Um, there's illnesses that animals can carry, so that you, you don't need to protect yourself oh, against awful. so, so many things. And like that, people should be not taking an animal's life for the sake of trying to help it you know so yeah, yeah getting in touch something i say and the the diseases we call it a zoonotic a zoonotic is a disease that can be transferred from humans to animals and vice versa the zoonotics that hedgehogs carry if you pick up a hedgehog and you're not careful about what you're doing you're going to get ringworm the ringworm's not a worm, it's a fungal disease that lives on the skin. And when people get ringworm, it's serious, it, it's horrible. They have salmonella, um, they have brucellosis, they have uh, TB, they have all sorts of horrible, horrible things that you would never think about. And then there's the things that you can see, like the ticks and the fleas and the maggots and the lice. And, you know, it, just be careful when... I just tell people, pick them up with a towel, put them in a box and phone me. Exactly. It's the easiest That's thing in the world. Simple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or phone a vet and just say. And the vets are fantastic, but a lot of the vets are just giving out my number. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be any good if the hedgehog's got a broken leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, if a vet is going to... If a vet is going to um, give my number out because the hedgehog's got a broken leg, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. I don't have the facilities here. Yeah. 
let them, you know, if the vet would check the hedgehog and then phone me, we can discuss it and I can tell them what needs to happen if they don't know, mm -hmm. you know. Hi. Uh, this is Paul, this is my husband, Paul. Hi. This is Pierce. Um, Paul's my support. Yeah. I'm my transport man. And the bank. <laughs> and the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's perfect. I've done a lot of prattling on no peers. Thanks, Ryan. I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking about this and sharing all the knowledge and, of course, for your years of service to wildlife. Oh, it's thank great. you. Yeah. Thanks, so Thanks a million. <gasps> so, just when I recorded, when I, when I was going through the edit on this, I realised how many times I actually wrapped up that interview and it kept going and I've cut that interview way down and afterwards I stayed and I hung out with Bev for another couple of hours and she showed me around the Hogsburg and we chatted and chatted and it just was a huge day uh, a really amazing experience and thank you so much to Bev again for for all her work that she's done but for taking the time out to do the podcast and to show me around and to talk to me all that time I'm looking forward to doing it again but yeah, the podcast, it's a bit funny because we'd be like, okay, let's wrap up and then just talk about stuff for another half hour. Okay, let's wrap up and talk about more stuff. So sorry if that was a bit disjointed. Hopefully it was just conversational. Um, I'm looking forward to having Bev back on the podcast uh, as soon as I possibly can, to be honest. I'd love to, I'd love to go down again. And the next thing is, just before we wrap up, so you'll remember a few podcasts ago, we heard from Amy about the GoFundMe campaign for Bat Rehabilitation Ireland and for the first Bat Hospital in Ireland. Well, they smashed their GoFundMe goal, so that's been funded. But you should still Google and follow Bat Rehabilitation Ireland and you should still definitely consider giving some donations there if you can. It's a really, really good cause and, you know, healthier bat populations might mean less, I don't know, viruses jumping from bats into civets into humans um that's a joke but nonetheless looking after ireland's bats be will be you know super bats are incredible animals so yeah check that out okay so that's the end of bev's interview part two of the hogsprickle podcast and i really hope you enjoyed it get in touch with me if you want to get in touch with bev i'm going to put all your details in the show notes so yeah Give us a listen. Please remember to, to share this podcast with your friends, to give us a review, to like us, to give us five stars or whatever number of stars you think we deserve. Uh, we really, really appreciate all that support. Thanks, Amin. Take care now. Bye-bye.